This podcast was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Fortunately for us, the WGA seems to have reached a tentative agreement with AMTPT. However, SAG-AFTRA has not yet. So please continue to support the Entertainment Community Fund. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thanks. the Queen of Andor has issued the following proclamation. This podcast shall be discussing the most recent episode of Wheel of Time. If you have not seen that episode and do not wish to be spoiled, go witness the Dragon Reborn in the latest episode and then return. So it is written, so shall it be done. Welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. Matt here with you, soon to be joined by Priscilla and Bubba as we continue our conversation about the season of Wheel of Time and season two, episode eight. We're going to jump right in. I want to thank you all for sticking around and remind you that we will have a book reader special podcast coming up. The way my schedule was, I could not complete that with Priscilla last time. We're working on being able to reschedule that, and we will get it out to the podcast listening audience as well as to the YouTube audience as soon as is possible. Hoping also to have some other guests, but more on that later. Let's jump back into our conversation, continuing with the tiny wheel of topics. Speaking of Egwene, that's where the wheel landed. Wonderful. So let's talk about this. Go ahead, Bubba. Tell me what you think. Again, they made the audience feel empathy for this character. She was so likable in season one. She's likable in season two. You understand her. You uh, you see her developing friendships with a new character in Elaine. The audience cares about Egwene. And so what is emotional what's going to rock the audience having a dog die that we spent a couple episodes with no seeing Egwene, who we've come to care about in a horrific situation and then her overcoming that situation using her brains using her strength to get revenge like we don't in our lives want to kill another person let's hope that's true but to see someone uh, you know, in an unjust situation like Egwene was, to see her overcome that obstacle and come out the other side victorious, it is wonderful. It It is great. She is a great character. She, I called it Egwene Unchained. That's what we wanted. The show made us care and want her to be unchained. Uh-huh. 10 out of 10, no notes for Wheel of Time season two on Egwene. That's my thought. Uh, Go ahead, Priscilla. I know that this subject is a little bit touchy for you because there are a lot of issues that have occurred in this season uh, that make this tough for you to to talk about. So whatever you feel comfortable talking about is is fine. Um, Because I I mean, let me let me I hate to put an earworm or to put a bug in your ear here regarding this. But the length that Egwene had to go to in order to free herself, which is different from the books, was murder. Mm -hmm. How do we reconcile that? Uh, Is what was done to her 
well, and slavery is, I, I don't, man, it's hard to quantify this stuff. And I'm, I'm not trying to slavery and this kind of torture is absolutely unspeakably evil. I mean, it's to the point where you don't even want to talk about it. And I understand that. But can we say mm -hmm. that the murder is justifiable? Because she has a chance to free her and let her go. Mm -hmm. He chooses to watch her die. Mm -hmm. And she promised that she would do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. how does it make you feel? Is there Does that place any shade on Egwene's character? Unlike Bubba, who gave this 10 out of 10, to me, mm -hmm. that makes me worry about Egwene just a little bit. There are many strong feelings she has about the Shan Shan throughout the rest of the course of the series of the books. That is completely understandable given what we saw in book two and in this episode or in the prior episodes. But where are we at with the links that she went to that extended beyond her getting free of that situation? I don't think we can judge a victim of like, I don't think we can judge a person that has gone through that trauma. And I don't think that Egwene, like the character, the way we saw it, I don't think herself um, that she processed it because exactly like a second afterwards, she's like devastated before Rand appears. So I don't think it, I don't think it was something that like you know you cannot talk about how a, a victim reacts to a trauma a traumatic uh you know like you have you can go for uh, through a lot of cases where people are kidnapped like things awful happen they have a chance to run they don't until they can and what do they do with the captors so I, I I don't I don't feel comfortable judging, saying that like uh, it was it was an ethical uh, grievance of mine because I'm I I I'm not passing through what she went through, so I cannot say hey yeah you know Egwene you cross you cross the line there, you murdered. Obviously, like in it's different in the books. Like I think Nynaeve is the one who yes. pulls her, right? Right. But Nynaeve was not there. She's older now, and we saw exactly how that affected her. We saw the whole the whole humiliations, condensation, the violence, the the, the threats. I honestly, I think. Uh, I'm not here to blame a victim. She's a victim. Okay. Matt, you feel very, uh, it feels like you're very uh, passionate about your take here. Uh, do you feel good? <laughs> Have you got everything out that you wanted to say? I you don't certainly don't want yeah. to cut you off. No, I feel yeah, fine. I okay. Matt, so let's talk, talk about more. this part though. <laughs> let's talk about this part. Obviously. We were seeing Egwene uh. struggle with what she was doing to hold Ishmael off. Uh -huh. And obviously we know that she's a very powerful Aes Sedai among uh -huh. the ones that we have seen. But was it too much? Uh -huh. uh, because, again, 
We did see her struggle, but we also saw just earlier in this season, Leandrin just take her out like that in the tower mm-hmm. when she confronted her at the, the fire with the ring. No, so, I, why would a person have had that much trouble? I don't think that, like, uh, every time we saw, like, uh, Egwene tried to attack Leandrin, right? Mm-hmm. So it was an offensive weave. And Egwene tried to attack Ishmael. Egwene also didn't... tried to shield herself from Leandrin's attack and wasn't fast enough. Yeah, but then Ishmael didn't see her coming. And she was defending Rand. We... Ishmael totally saw her she coming. Cares. She loves Rand. Where is the power of love? The love is the power that, that made her super strong. Yeah, yeah, and she's just holding. She's just holding. She's just holding. She's even apologized to Rand because she cannot hold anymore. And then, and then comes, Perrin uh, comes in and helps, yeah, with the yeah. magic shield. So I understood, that, like, yeah, and okay. I mean... I'm just making points to, to, so that I can create some arguments. That's all I'm doing is I'm just trying to create some arguments. You're succeeding, Matt. Great job. I, I would say <laughs> that if the if the issue is that people's power levels need to be almost where the story wants them to be. So at this point, I'm this powerful. But if I need to be captured, suddenly I'm less powerful. I, I get it. What I would say is at the end of last season, didn't she destroy an all a whole army of of Trollocs and evil yeah, beings. Yeah, but that was the combined power of a whole bunch of channelers. You know, yeah. I, I don't mind it. I understand where the, the story is going emotionally. So you're to telling me, it, me I, can adjust, I can just adjust I can just adjust the smoke I, monster's Bob, level in Lost to whatever level I want because the story needs it? Didn't they? Bob, you're so evil. You loved Lost, yes. <laughs> in other words, that's what they did. But what Lost. I'm saying is that's one that of those Joe. storytelling points that you're always against. <sighs> Uh, Baba is now talking about emotions and feelings. I don't understand, Baba. I would say that it didn't. It didn't real. It didn't come across as. Wait a minute. How is this possible in the moment? Because yeah. you know, this yeah. is this is the end mm-hmm. of the story. You understand that, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is also something. Egwene was not struggling with her training uh, under the Aes Sedai, but she was being very overlooked. No, like she she made some uh, pretty convincing ad- advances in her training under the Sudan also. So it could be like a, a mixture of things, like her being more confident after facing off her, like the the love that she felt for Van. So um, um, I mean, I don't think it was that far fetched, and she was just shielding it, and she was already losing it anyway when pairing arrived so it was just like what 30 seconds of shooting so <laughs> i don't know why people are making so much fuss about that they just want to talk about it she's defending her her boy okay when when you get when you get your boy there you do things that you know lamphere gets the boy she does things Egwene gets the boy she does things possibly elaine Gets the boy. She's already doing things for the boy. That boy is like very good. Everybody wants to. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that the wheel has already landed uh, on Nynaeve and Elaine so that we can talk about that real briefly. 
Um, this was a very underserved story to me in this finale. Um, and I think part of it is due to the fact that they needed to have Egwene liberate herself. And that's a big portion of mm-hmm. Nynaeve's story at the end of, of book two is her and Elaine working together uh, in order to help Egwene get away. So mm-hmm. that kind of left them high and dry with what to do. But the thing that I didn't understand was how Nynaeve suddenly... Bubba, did you get the sense that Nynaeve is having some kind of crisis of confidence? Because she isn't even being a very good wisdom at the time with Elaine, let alone being able to channel or anything. I mean, pushing that arrow through and then not cauterizing cauterizing a wound, not cauterizing it, not doing anything that a wisdom would do? I Uh thought that this storyline, all the Egwene, Elaine and Nynaeve story was great all season long. It felt like, and I agree with you, Matt, I agree with the showrunners that if they decided Egwene needs to be her own hero, her own champion, mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. But then that does mean you have to have Nynaeve and Elaine capturing a Sean Chan and entering that, that kind of world. It does have to pay off some way. Maybe they don't save Egwene. Maybe they are help. Maybe they are part of the team that helps defeat the Sean Chan in a different way using this uh using this woman they collared so i uh, instead it felt like okay we're just going to stop this and it's almost like why are we pulling away Nynaeve's power we're pulling her power away because in the most obvious ridiculously foreshadowed shot of all we need rand and elaine to meet cute and him look at this dreamy elaine healing him and so we're just going to come up with a reason for Nynaeve to be powerless. A bit like I feel like the way they did with Moraine and Land about, well, we just need them to have something so the story, these other stories can go the way they needed to. Once again, if you have Nynaeve and Elaine do something with this Sean Chan that they collared and help them, you know, okay, we can't get to a, 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 a Gwaine, but instead we do something to help the effort in a different way. To me, that's the way you do it. Instead, it had uh-huh. it came up with this, uh, you know, naive, uh, almost being so shocked by by ha- controlling the collar and controlling this Sean Chan woman mm-hmm. that she does, you know, have PTSD or something. To me, it didn't work. If next season, maybe she's still dealing with the post traumatic stress of of collaring another person, maybe I'll I'll forgive this. But it felt like after doing so great the whole season this story didn't have the Egwene high that it should have, in my opinion. I mean, I, I could, I, I could, I could defend, try to defend it, like saying that it, it does illustrate the point that Leandrine was trying to make that it doesn't like Nynaeve has a block. It doesn't help that she is like the most powerful channel if she has a block and if she cannot go uh, under pressure. Like she's not a at this point, Nynaeve wouldn't survive if there was no for the plot needing her to survive in that uh, time. But I have to say that it failed. This uh, the ending of her arc. Uh, it didn't land because uh, I didn't understand what was the point. You know, if the point was to show that she's uh, because there is a scene where where the the Sudan her, like the the Sudan they captured that she collared, 
she dies, and then uh, Nynaeve gets the the backlash because they are linked together. Mm. So if the if if the intention was to say, hey, Nynaeve cannot act because she's under the backlash of the mm. the breaking the link okay. and she's under stress, then she should be completely out. She should be completely out, like oh, oh and no, but she seemed to recover and she was there, and she didn't even uh, try to do the the wisdom. If the if the motivation was we have just to delay then a little bit, so then Elaine can come and heal uh, Rand. Nothing could be- have stopped uh, uh, Nynaeve from healing Elaine. She could heal Elaine. They could go like slowly there and arrive the last. And then she, and Nynaeve is consoling uh, uh, Matt and Elaine is healing Rand. It could have helped happen. Like it could have, they could have made it. See, but they didn't know reason... what they were doing. I don't think, I don't think they, they knew what the motivation was except to say, hey, Nynaeve cannot work under stress. Yeah. So and we saw her working under stress several times before. So the other thing that happened with that Sulgal was it allowed an out for Egwene to be able to watch Rena die and mm-hmm. not die herself. Because the Suldam got mm-hmm. shot in the neck and died. Nynaeve yeah. didn't. This way you can have Egwene kill Rena. And Egwene not die. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't they reinforce each other. That. I'm not saying that yeah. it goes against what the dialogue said all season long, but uh, maybe you can say, well, maybe the Sudam don't really know that because I haven't really tried it, although I kind of doubt that. So, uh, but I'm just saying that because they reinforce each other in the same episode, you don't question mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, like for the show, Canon, they are all Taviran, right? The five. All five are Taviran, yeah. Yeah, so is that at, at play too? I don't Could know. Be. Could be. I, I yeah, because like the way the, the way Nynaeve reacts is like she's dying, but she doesn't. No, she has this backlash and and I don't know. And Egwene is like she's controlling the backlash. We saw her struggling. When Rene is dying, so I don't know. Yeah. Gray area. <laughs> Much like these videos, very good. <laughs> right, filled filled with gray. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else on I? I mean, come on. Elaine didn't even introduce herself as the daughter heir to Andor. She just said, "No." She said, "Who are you?" And she said, "Elaine." Yeah. Okay. Let me try to predict. So obviously, it's Rand, right? It's obviously Rand is going to fall with Elaine, probably because Egwene has been so changed by what she went through that Mm. she's certainly not going to be in a place for a relationship. He's kind of gone through a big change too, being officially announced as the dragon. So you know, he he and Egwene's relationship will kind of uh, uh, continue to be not, uh, a fall apart, and Elaine will be Rand's new girlfriend. It feels like all three of these characters need to go back to the tower and, for lack of a better word, complete their training, even though Nynaeve uh-huh. is an official Aes Sedai. It feels like next season, 
they should all start back at the tower saying, okay, we had these issues. We gotta, we gotta, um, we gotta become even more powerful. And what's funny is it felt like Ishmael, the fact that we heard, found out that Ishmael was kind of friends with uh, uh, the original dragon in that, you know, they kind of started fighting and they turned to the dark. It really feels like, well, okay, some of these characters who are Rand's friends have to turn to the dark. Will it be Egwene because she went through such a dark experience? Will it be Nynaeve because she has to be angry to uh, uh, really abuse her power? It doesn't feel like it'll be Matt. It felt like Matt just proved, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm I'm a hero of the horn. I'm not going to be uh, uh, turning to the dark like those visions when I drank the tea implied. It also feels like Perrin because we spent so much time in season one talking about nonviolence, that Perrin is not going to turn to the dark because he's going to really turn to nonviolence. So, you know, it really does feel like it has to be Egwene or Nynaeve, one of the five F to turn. That feels, you know, just looking at the story. Or Rand himself would be the next one, I guess. Rand really is the next one to turn. Okay. Or at least be be tempted by the darkness, right? That's what has to happen next. Bubba is telling a grim story here, ladies and gentlemen. Bubba is becoming a storyteller, and he's telling a grim story. Well, this is where the story is going. I'm not telling it. I'm saying where the story itself is going. Well, you're you're saying where it's going before you know where it's going. No, I'm not. No, no, he's not saying. But he he's trying to figure things out. He's just like putting his thoughts out. Right. The story that hard. I didn't didn't decide that Ishmael and uh, you know Lou Theron used to be friends. No, the show decided that they used to be friends and one turned to the dark. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that all of them have to. I know that Lance said that just like these kids to Moraine. Right. No, no. I'm not saying all of them do. I'm saying theoretically one of them do. You don't he, set he up was this parallel if you don't if you don't intend to go there. Well, see, now you're oh, reading Bubba. into foreshadowing the... and kinds of things. And well, I don't know well, that right, that's... exactly. Why did the show foreshadow it then? <laughs> you're you're why it's not me. They didn't. They gave you a history. Maybe this story will be different because they don't. Okay. The right. thing that's is, how they actually win in the end. Maybe that's maybe that'll be different. But if you're telling me none of these characters will be tempted to go to the dark, you're crazy. You don't know how story works. Well, if, we saw if, one tempted. If Robert Jordan to to doesn't have one of them it. turn toward if Robert Jordan doesn't have them start to be tempted in turning to the dark. I'm not saying they can't revert back or they don't they go the full way to the shadow, but this is the story he's telling. If he doesn't do it, he did a terrible job telling it. Baba has spoken. Okay, Baba. Yes. We saw the first season. Mm-hmm. It was all about uh, Matt. Is he tro- he's going to be evil with the right. dagger or not? Yes. And this this season, we saw everybody wondering if is Matt going to kill Ren is Matt going to right. turn evil yes and yeah. uh and and Ishmael's plan all along I want to turn Ren's friends mm-hmm. to our side so that exactly we right. either break Ren or he 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 comes to us because it all hinges on his choice. They cannot force Rand to do something. They can either not neutralize Rand, which was 
what Ishmael was trying to do in his plan B is like neutralize Rand and then wait for another turn of the wheel to to have the, the his whole fight, or make him decide to join the shadow. The whole point of this foreshadowing of land, oh, exactly like these kids, was because the wheel, when the wheel turns, it doesn't, it puts the same characters, the same souls in the same situations, but their choices might be different. In the case of the when Lamphere is asked by Shamael, okay, the drag Rand, what kind of man is Rand? Is he a little bit like Louis? And mm-hmm. she says, yes, but he is like sweeter and stuff. He is nothing like Louis. He's not he he's not manipulative. He's just a sweet kid with nice friends. And that's the point of this wheel, this turn of the wheel. They are friends. So they are choosing each other in that at that period. And this was something that the original dragon could not have. So Ishamael turned, uh, Lamphia turned. That's the story that the show is telling. Oh, they were friends, but they they got uh, against each other at some point. And will the kids uh, will be the same with the kids? And it's already like, no. They are the five of them are together at the end. Yeah, well, I season. think that that whole line about the After, gym, yeah. I think the whole line about the being the, about the kids being friends like Lanfear and Ishmael mm-hmm. and Luce Theron was simply to put tension in the episode. I don't think it has any long stemming ramifications whatsoever. No, I, I think mm. it was there just to show you the difference between this turn and the, the, the other turn. Like, Rand is not Louis. He's not that man, or maybe not that man yet. So the choices are already made, and they're already there. And, like, he he, he something. He's someone that uh, has a lot of help. Like, Lamphere spent the whole season helping him behind the scenes, and uh and he has friends and uh you know this is something that you don't get like uh from the conversations with Lamphere and Shamael. they are all like friends that stab each other in the back you know they are friends I, but they are not i i'm once again i'm not saying that any of them will turn to the dark i'm gonna say they're mm-hmm. all con- this you're telling me this book series goes 14 books they're going to be tempted again. To me, the, it would make more storytelling sense that one actually mm-hmm. does turn. And not that they can't turn back. You know, I don't know the rules of this theater. I'm just saying that's the way, theoretically, it would go. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way it would go. That's the only way I could see it going. So, so there. Baba has spoken. Let's get to Matt and and, and let's talk about it. Matt was tempted. He was tempted last season and he was you know, shown a lot of horrific stuff this season. But in the end, he didn't, even though he's addicted to this darn knife, right? This dagger, this this blade of evilness. He it's didn't cocaine. right his cocaine. He didn't turn. So if you're not gonna turn him now as a non-book reader, I don't think Matt is going to turn. I think this is one of those moments where where he blew the horn and he saw these other heroes and they say, Hey, we're heroes of the horn. You're a hero of the horn. 
to me, unless something really goes off the rails, I have a hard time seeing the them play this trick again with Matt to where, mm. oh, he's tempted mm-hmm. to turn dark again. You know, it's like it's like he had his turn to be tempted to the darkness and he didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But the thing like the the season established firmly the characters with the with their powers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Rand is the dragon reborn, Egwene is the one, the survivor, the the smart one. Nynaeve is the yeah. powerhouse who is yep. blocked. Right. Perrin has uh, the wolf, wolf connection. Right. The wolf power. And now Matt is the hero of the horn. The big question is, will Matt get a new wardrobe next season? <laughs> you know what? It'd be great if like the other heroes of the horn came back and he's like, I didn't They, the they all Why had did... good wardrobes. Right. They're, but they, Matt, well, this Matt is, is the point. This is the point. They come back. He's like, well, I didn't blow the horn. Why are you guys here? And they're like, you smell. Get out of this Get out of this burlap and put on some clothes, right? You're you're embarrassing us. We need a fashion intervention here. Yeah, yeah. All the other characters had their powers, had their wardrobes. Matt was the last one to get the power. Now he only needs the wardrobe. Heck yeah! All right. So the whole Matt storyline was really cool. I do love how they paid a. One of the things that TV viewers learn over the course of this season is that we see men see matt stab ran that absolutely came true just not in the way that we saw it that's a very important thing to consider when it comes to men now go back to season one and look at all those little visions that she saw over the other taviran when they were in the bar Uh think about those things okay so think about that so think about because we know that it's an actual thing that happens but it doesn't necessarily happen in the way that you see it Mm -hmm. i'm not going to tell you what any of those things mean even though i think i recognized several of them and what they meant uh, at the time can you tell me (laughs) in the the book reader section i can um okay but i i want TV only people to go back now that we understand the way that the rules work for men's visions to go back to that scene in the bar uh, in Faldara and figure out what it is that you think you see. Some of it may not be too apparent unless you're a book reader, but some of it might. So I just want to encourage you all to do that. Man, uh, if you're men, you got to feel terrible. You're like, boy, my visions really are, you know, they're only so helpful. <laughs> why do you think she wanted to get rid of them? Say that again. These don't help me at all. Yeah. It's like, it's like actually, you know, give me what the next dice roll specifically will be. Yes, know. please. <laughs> uh, or or tell me how much this guy's going to tip me so I know whether to really actually serve him or not. Um, <laughs> those kinds of things would be very helpful to men. But instead, uh, she just wants to get rid of them. And we had to just get rid of her for this finale, which totally made me mad. Sucks, but yeah. back to Rand. Back to Rand. All of these heroes of the horn, uh, mm-hmm. I believe that I saw one. Some of them didn't say a word, and and they won't. Uh, you may or may not see them again. Uh, one of them, I think, that didn't say a word, you will, and I'm not going to say who. Uh, one of them was somebody that we've already heard talked about in this show a lot, and that was the big mm-hmm. guy who said we fought side by side. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Arthur Hawkwing, baby. That's the guy 
that we heard in season one made the Aes Sedai start to take those oaths. Wow. That, that, that conversation between Egwene and Moraine back in season one. Oh. Wow. And he's the so, ancestor of the evil slavers, right? What's that? He's the ancestor of the evil slavers, too. I right? believe that the Shan Shan have mentioned Arthur Hawkwing themselves. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So You're putting you, together. Now, now put this like together, them. though. This is a hero of the horn, yet right. he's spawned a culture that uses channelers like slaves. Mm. He's also been the guy that put restrictions on the Aes Sedai. Kind mm. of a weird conflict of interest there, isn't it? He's a weird one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just well, thought I'd point to, that out. You know, it's, yeah, keep pointing stuff I like that out. That's great. Um, yeah, so, Matt. <laughs> one time, Matt, point it out. And, and, and <laughs> the other one's name starts with a B. That's all. Ooh, okay. Not that B, a different kind of B, a BR, not a book reader. But that's Matt. You cut me off before I could say it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like the way the horn looked. It's not quite the way I imagined it in the books. Uh, there's a whole, there's a hey, chapter, man. there's a chapter emblem of it uh, in all of the books. Um, I loved the spear. The way that he created mm -hmm. it, even though I'll have some concerns about that in the book reader section. And I kind of mentioned them a little bit earlier uh, with foxes and snakes. Uh, the other thing that I really enjoyed was seeing that skill. And now, evidently, as somebody who has erected the Heroes of the Horn, he's suddenly speaking in the old tongue like, you know, like it's nobody's business. And what he said and this is very interesting because Bubba, I think I've told you about his thing with luck before, even though it hasn't really, you know, he's had, uh, had his we've seen him have a, a time or two with dice right. in the show. Uh, but which sorry wow. folks, to book readers, I absolutely apologize for the way I pronounce that, but it uh, translates according yes. to the cider.com translates to it's time to roll the dice. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so this guy's fluent in that. So he's got, how long will he retain his memories after the memory, after the heroes of the horn are gone? Uh, that's something that's interesting. Forever. Forever. <laughs> so, it, well, until, yeah. until, yeah. until, until he returns among their numbers where he has to be called by a horn again. Um, and but I now, just, uh, he's the only one who can blow the horn, right? I don't know. Right I don't know how the rules on that one work either, to be perfectly honest. No, but in the, show. in the books, in the books, he's the well, only one. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how the television show is going to treat it. Um, I don't think they are going to change it. They are making the horn his power. Well, she also took right? back the horn. Remember the gal next to Arthur Hawkwing on the other side? Well, she took it back and put it away. When he needs it, the horn will immediately and magically appear to him. Okay. Well, just like a, a perfectly uh, lengthed and shaped rod uh, and some no. stripping that he could use to make a spear magically appears. No, clouds, clouds are going to part and like the <laughs> God's hand 
we just go. <laughs> no. A big a big hand comes out of the clouds and says, "You need this horn, baby." Uh, now, I love the making of the spear too. I thought that was great. I thought the music for that was great too. I thought it got kind of gave you that bouncy Matt back when he was at his lowest point. Uh, very clever of Matt to to create that spear. Any other thoughts on Matt? Yeah, he did something. I love it. Thank God. He did something. I love it. He didn't just stare at people walking into the ways. No. He didn't just let a single tear down. In he wasn't a, in a cell. locked in a cell. Didn't share nothing, a drink right. with a men. Right. Um, you know, he didn't watch Rand walk away thinking that, you know, that was going to be, uh, that he was going to go help him and didn't do anything. Uh, finally, Matt gets some redemption. Uh, he did manage to get fire off a good one-liner to Ishmael in one episode, but I don't remember what that line was now. Something like, is this a sex thing or something like that? It was funny. Yeah. That was or kind of a that was very much that. a net thing. But uh yeah, I love uh I loved all of the Matt storyline. Uh even though again, we can talk more about it in book six. There's your favorite character, Rand, the most oh. important character. How could you forget him, Matt? Shameful. Well, I, I mean, yeah, we I love mean, Rand. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm just so disappointed in Rafe. No, he did absolutely not nothing much. this season to make me hate Rand, except oh, for the fact that he's already flirting with a new girl right in front of his girlfriend. That's not cool, man. Matt, we already discussed his, his relationship with Egwene died when he died. <laughs> he ghosted. I've been caught in my own totally. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he ghosted, yeah. Egwene is, no. Well, Egwene even let, thought he was like a ghost when she well, he What do you think about Rand being proclaimed Kara Khan by Avinda? If you recall, she yeah. said she was seeking that. That's what she told Perrin. The whole reason they'd come over, they were seeking the Karakhan. I will tell you, Karakhan translates into chief of chiefs or chief of all chiefs, I believe, um, in the Aeo language or the old tongue, basically. So she's looking for the Aeo number one commando. She's trying, she's going to endorse Rand to be president. Yeah, of, uh, of the Aiel, and he's he's he was born Aiel, so it all makes sense. Perfect. All right. Um, now, how she got that from a dragon flying around a flamed dragon? I'm not quite sure. I think you see a giant flaming dragon. Either. Come on, you see a giant flaming dragon. It doesn't matter anything. You just say, okay, that's it. The, the interesting thing is, is that Chief of it, as a book reader, you know, there are Aeol prophecies about the Karakhan, and they are very similar to what we call the Corinthian cycle, which are prophecies about the dragon, one of which was, you know, banner in the sky and fire uh, that we heard all this season. So maybe there was enough of a similarity there that she would instantly recognize that I can grant the showrunners. Otherwise, I was kind of like, hmm. Boy, Avienda's jumping to conclusions. It's 10 times better than the, the Harry Potter. He gets like this stupid scar on his The lightning scar forehead. is the best disfigurement in the history of literature. 
It's like, oh, yo. Was it, was it, was it Rand's right hand or left hand that got the scar? I can't remember. It was his left. It was his left. Yeah. It was his left hand. Oh. Um, And that's because uh, he, I I didn't catch it the first time. I had to actually go back and rewatch it, but there's a heron mark actually on the blade. And I thought, well, his hand is, is above where the heron mark on the handle would be. But in actuality, there is a hand mark on the blade itself. And he actually was holding on to the blade, not the not the handle. And that's why, of course, it was hot and it burned, I I guess, burned it into him. So uh, there's also a prophecy about him being branded. So there's something to that. You can use that to hate him. He destroyed because he doesn't know how to hold a sword. sword. Yeah. (laughs) No, he, he destroyed his father's sword. It was like. It's not even his. Well, it's his father's. His fa- he, I'm more mad at him for making modifications because I don't remember there being a heron mark on that handle ever until he faced Turok and did the Indiana Jones thing. Yeah, Turok was so fun. That was hilarious. I loved <laughs> that moment. Uh, I, I mean, I know it's been done, and yes, it was obviously a, a direct homage to to the Indiana Jones shooting the two swordsmen. But it was fantastic. That was just the moment of levity that I needed. What I didn't know, though, is Rand has really gotten control of his power. I was so worried about how they weren't training him. Sword training. And now they have an opportunity to do it over the next season. But because yeah. I, I, I was waiting for this moment, guys. I was waiting for him and Turok to have this big fight. And in the books... He's getting training from Lan at the beginning of the book. There's been time that has passed um, between the events of the end of the book and and the events of the beginning of the book. And he's been getting Heronmark sword training. And instead, he just in the show, he just gets like a story or two from Errol on a couple of demonstrations. And he's obviously had brought his sword back in and been trained before. But I'm sitting there thinking with Turok, I'm like, yo, this is going to be bad. This is going to either look bad mm-hmm. story-wise because he wouldn't have been able to practice any of this stuff or, and, and he's just going to be too good for how he should be, you know, or I, that's what I was thinking it was going to be. And then it turned out just do that. And it's like, I can take Rand being the dragon reborn, actually being a little overpowered as a one, ch- as a one power user, as opposed to uh, doing what could have been if it was taken from the books. Mm-hmm. Bubba doesn't care. So well, no. I well, what do you want me to say? I said, <laughs> I said the first episode this guy appeared, ba- in, I was like, why don't, why don't we just kill him and get him out of the way? Baba agreed with everything you said. Yes, you should everything. be happy. Witness speculation. Witness speculation. All right, let me make some predictions. So he's the only reason why this low gain character must be in the show. He hasn't done much. But he's got to train Rand. So at a certain point, let's get yeah. them together so Rand can get trained in the one power and become good. At a certain point... Or are they going to fall in love? You know, listeners, <laughs> I didn't make that poor joke. Rand and Loghain? Hey, it's, right. a, it's a free Westerlands. They can All do right. whatever I, they want. No, I'm, not saying they, I'm not saying that I'm against it. I'm just saying that's not going to happen. So let's move on. I'm sorry. I've just been reading fan fiction and there are like some oh, really? strange pairings about Yeah. Have you been reading it or have you been apparently. writing it? <laughs> no, I, I have been reading it. There is like Matt and Rand are very 
they're like love. Well, I've seen couple, some of those. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Okay. Okay. Well, let me continue saying where the story should go based on everything they've done so far. No. So no. the next we want to thing talk about is, he's going to be trained. <laughs> he's going to be trained and obviously he's going to have some flirty, flirty time with Elaine. Maybe if uh, the Aiel are claiming he's the chief of chiefs, maybe he has some flirty time with them too. But the point is, if you're the dragon, the whole reason why you exist is to defeat the dark one. So at a certain point, mm-hmm. probably season three, he's got to train so he can become good. Then season four or five, he goes and fights this dark one. And 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 while he's training, he's going to have to be battling all these Forsaken that have been released. That's season three. There you go. Okay. Wow, I think you got it. I think you okay. got it. Yeah. Up next is my musical analysis. And that is... I'm sorry, Priscilla. Did you have anything else to say about Rand? My bad. I'm completely sorry. Nothing, nothing. Rand has been, I already said, I have nothing against Rand. Look, On the contrary, I think he's very sympathetic this season. I, I agree. And reasonable. Except for the fact that he's got Egwene as a girlfriend. He also has Lanfear. And now he's flirting with Elaine. Isn't one enough, Rand? Wish fulfillment. He's, uh, That's what it was in the He's book. a dragon. He can do whatever um, he wants. So, which is, this is the point where I say, well, if they had him aged down, that would be better for this situation. Because <laughs> he doesn't have any idea of what his emotions actually are. But this is driving me a little. I don't think he still has, he doesn't have anything. He loves, the, he loved uh, Celine at some point yeah, yeah he, he, he felt he felt a connection with her i'm not sure it was love but you know he said he to told her. her he loved her yeah come on yeah he he is a 14 year old character trapped in a 20 year old actor all right my musical analysis this time around well i know i've talked about Egwene a lot but we have to because there was that scene with rena and that portrayal of that theme during that time told me the reason why I went all out when we were talking about Egwene, um, because the theme basically just fell apart uh, as, as it went along. So that was wonderful. Um, also uh, a couple of themes that we hadn't really talked about this season. Skip ahead about eight minutes. If you're not into the music reborn. One of the more interesting facets of music is the fact that there is relationships between all of the notes as they pertain into the scale, specifically by thirds. When we hear thirds, meaning notes that kind of go every other one, if you were in a scale, it's a step of one, two, three. That's what a lot of our harmony is based on. Lorne does interesting things, both harmonically and melodically in terms of keeping the melodic shape but moving it by thirds in order to create different kinds of feelings and nothing was more illustrative of that in this episode than the version of Egwene's theme that we heard while she was avenging herself with Rena. Normally Egwene's melody actually sits in a minor type of key and so it sounds kind of like this.
or at least one section of it does. But interestingly enough, if you move that entire melody, keeping the same bass note, but moving the entire melody, the entire what we call melodic shape, the distances between notes, how high and how low they go, and you start it in a different place relative to the major key as opposed to the minor, the notes are completely different and the feeling is completely different even though the distance between those notes are exactly the same in either the minor or the melody. It's just where they start and how they are related to the root. So I take that exact same melodic shape that I just played, but if I start it on the major third, you get a completely different feeling. That feels resolved, right? And this was the moment where Egwene had essentially become victorious over Rena. But here's the most interesting thing about this. Lorne actually kept notes from the minor key as the accompaniment. And what that does is it creates this great dissonance to let us viewers know that, yes, we are so happy that Egwene is free, but also there's a lot of conflict in those notes. Think of what she had to do in order to free herself. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, right? And there's no better way to do that than to kind of imply minor and major at the same time. Go back and listen to that portion and you will hear what I mean. It sounds really bad on a piano because you don't have different ways to mix it and it just sounds weird. But just watch that after she has Rena on that hook and you'll hear what I'm talking about. Consequently, that leads us right into our next thing that we want to talk about, which is really a theme for, I guess, the dragon. Because one of the times that we heard this was actually used for Loghain in Season 1, when we were first introduced to him at the beginning of Episode 4. Now, when Rand is approaching Egwene, we hear this same theme. Again, the shape is changed just slightly. One note is played an octave lower. It sounds like this. So that third note is actually being played an octave lower. And what that does is it creates a slightly different feel. We see what Egoine is going through and as Rand approaches her. And that kind of gives it everything just a little bit more of a tense feeling as opposed to the way that the theme is normally presented, where that note is actually the highest note that the melody gets to, the third note, like this. And we hadn't really talked a whole lot about this theme. I think I did break it down in the season one coverage, and I know. With Bustin' Blockbusters, because we do cover multiple shows, you might have to go back into the feed a little ways. If you're on the YouTube, all of the Wheel of Time is placed on a single playlist, and you can find it back that way. But we have heard this theme in a lot of scenes with Rand this season, and we heard it some, like I said, in season one as well. Finally, let's move to another theme that I haven't talked about at all this season, 
but it's Matt Cawthon's theme. If you look at Lauren's Season 2 official soundtrack, Volume 1 and 2, you can find instances of it there. One in Volume 1 is simply called Matt Cawthon. And that version is a little bit more bouncy than the version that we heard in this finale episode. By bouncy, I mean the tempo is a little faster and the meter is different. The original version of the theme is actually in 3-4 as opposed to the four-count version that we got in this episode. The original version sounds kind of like this. So that sequence of chords underneath is not an uncommon sequence, something that gravitates from the minor to its relative major, meaning it's staying within the key, but it's starting to center around a different note of that scale. One of the things that I absolutely loved about the way that Lorne approached Matt blowing the horn was he actually introduced those chords with very slow cello harmonies playing. You'll hear that it's the same chords, but of course there's no melody present. And because of the different tempo, it has a bigger feel to it. Like this. Incidentally, if you want to check out this cut on his Volume 2 official soundtrack for Season 2... You can find it under the title, The Horn of Valir. Fancy that. But the melody is much more drawn out, and some harmony is applied by thirds. But there's also a difference in the chord underneath between what you heard me play the original section, and instead what we call a substitute chord is put in. And just as Egwene's melody moved by a third changes the way that it feels against the root. Similarly, moving the root against the same melody can do the same thing. And moving it by a third changes the context. In the original version, we had what we would call a flat six chord. But in this version, we get a minor four chord. And that adds just a little bit more depth than just the flat six, because the flat six feels like it inevitably has to go back from whence it came. Whereas the four chord, as I've mentioned in prior podcasts, sometimes can add a different layer of depth. But the big difference is changing from this chord in that harmony to this chord in that harmony. And that can make all the difference in the world. The functionality of those chords is essentially actually the same, but it's where the root is and the fact that they're a third away from each other, those two different harmonies. That's what makes the difference in the way we feel. And that's all I have for this musical analysis. Let's get back to talking about the episode and the season. What's worse? Ladies and gentlemen, it's everybody's favorite game. Well, aside from Bubba Has Questions, 
This is the game where we play like high school debate team and uh, one of our hosts asks the question, the other two must answer it from opposite sides in order to be able to see who wins, which is decided by the person asking the question. This is all the introduction that I do, and then normally I just stick my nose in where it doesn't belong as we go along. But let's begin with Bubba. Bubba, do you have a question for Matt and Priscilla? I sure do. Guys, what is worse? Is it worse to constantly be taunted and pulled to darkness by a frigging inanimate object, this dagger? Or is it worse to everywhere you go, you hear Patton Fane's annoying whistle? What's worse? I know what I think's worse, but you guys can convince me. Matt, what's worse? Constantly being called to do evil things by an inanimate, inanimate dagger or listening to some jerk whistle all the time? What's worse? Man, I would never be able to unhear Pat and Fane. I, I just, <laughs> once, once it happens, I mean, you think back to all those times in season one where it was just man, Matt and Rand standing around. Yet you hear that, I can't whistle right now, but that, that just like drives me crazy. It's like, it's like Larry, Moe, and Curly coming at you from somewhere visually or audioly that you can't, but you can't find them anywhere. And, I think that it is probably a tritone of a pitch also, which of course will drive anyone mad after they hear it enough times. That's all I've got for that. Priscilla, then what's worse, the dagger calling you to do evil things or this jerk who won't stop whistling? Well, I have to argue for the dagger, right? Yeah, let's hear it. Because Matt's the opposite. I took the easy one. uh, The dagger, yeah. The dagger, um, it's only a fancy knife, if you come to think. It's a fancy knife with a curse on it. Right. So if you keep like resisting to this curse again, and you don't want to touch the dagger, but the dagger insists you have to touch it, and then you have the dagger basically you have to spend your night with the dagger and the dagger like saying that you have to touch her touch me touch me it's annoying (laughs) let's be honest it's it's very annoying and a whistle i cannot even whistle i have to admit i cannot even whistle but a dagger what what can you do with a dagger you can either like stab your best friend with a dagger or you you can use it to um, like butter bread. So I would say <laughs> I, I don't I don't say it's worse, but it's more annoying because a dagger should not be talking to you. Ooh, you know, Priscilla, mm. that is a great argument there at the end. It won't ov- overcome how annoying that damn whistle is. But I give you props. That was a very good. That was a very good fight. So Matt, you win this. The whistle, just there was. It was always going to be hard to defeat the whistle. But um, Priscilla, you did. We came pretty close. Priscilla, I commend you uh, for seeing that dagger uh, for what it is, because we all know that uh, yeah, the dagger can be damn annoying, especially for us Trollocs. We don't. We don't like that dagger at all. We we don't like it. Uh, but because you were the loser, you are now the winner because you get to ask the next question. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so what's worse, being one of the incense dispensing white claw kids and potentially getting <laughs> run over by a horse, being child Valda, or being child Valda getting attacked by Hopper? That's the toughest one, let's be honest. Okay, I'll one. go first. I'll go one. first. You go ahead, Bob. And when you're a kid, what do you always want? You want your your iPhone. You want your phone. You want your iPad so you can watch YouTube. But when you're a kid dragged out to the desert and you're told go, there's no iPhone, there's no Wi-Fi out in the desert. And then what's worse is you suddenly have to start swinging this smoke around. As a child, secondhand smoke is the worst, but it's especially terrible when it's coming from the incense holder you're doing. That is bad for your lungs, bad for your health, and you're actually praying that a horse will trample you. You know what? I say it's much worse to be one of those kids. Very convincing wow. argument, Bubba. Yeah, Thank very you. convincing. I, very I don't convincing. know how uh, Matt's going to defeat that. Well, first of all, we're going to call this in defense of Child Balda. What has Child Balda actually done to anyone? Okay, maybe he was a little mean to Egwene and Perrin. But think of how mean Perrin was to him once that Egwene got him free. He had every reason in the world to want to find out what kind of evil Perrin is. What makes his eyes go yellow? There, there, there's no reason in the name of science <laughs> child Valda was going to find out a critical answer that the world needed to know about Wolf Brothers mm -hmm. but no, no this dog has to come and bite him in the leg, attack him start to cut him up he has no choice in, the, in there but to call for my absolute hero Joffrey Bornholtz help <laughs> to bring the axe sure. because also in science this is this is the thing child Valda is also doing this in the name of science because he realizes that there must be some connection between this devil of a person with yellow eyes and these wolves with yellow eyes so we need to dissect the wolf also and therefore yes. child Valda is absolutely in the right and him being attacked by this heathen of a dog This is very easy because anything, inclu including Child Valda, is a win. I'm oh. sorry, so it's mad. Curses. No. And I have oh, to two say, for two today, I baby. To say, I have to say, one of my listeners was like, why do you keep referring to Valda as child? Because it sounds very stupid in Portuguese. It does. Criança Valda. It sounds very stupid, so and, and I and I explain it's it precisely because it's stupid that I keep uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I keep that I keep saying, oh yeah, sure. criança valda this, and criança because child valda is like it's amazing. Ask to be called in season one. I'm only showing the man. <laughs> it's respect. true. Yeah, and I, yeah, he's child. He's a he's the child of the light. There you go. And he's the winner. There you go. Every time. Every time. Bubba, I actually liked your answer better, but you know, Matt's a boss. So he yeah. gets some sometimes. Sure. Uh, let's see. Here is the uh, here is the final question. 
Let's hear it. I'm going to ask it because uh, we don't need to hear any more from Matt. We've heard way too much from him in this Amen. entire podcast. Amen. Finally, somebody says it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what's worse? Mm-hmm. Getting an offer to haul away priceless artifacts from Landfear to throw those artifacts away. I'm telling you that those artifacts, that Coindiar, was worth way more than that little bag that Landfear threw out. And so I'm just, I know I'm not supposed to be impartial here, but I'm just saying. So uh, uh-huh. those, those are, those, that's one side of it, you know. Uh, the other thing yes. is getting swindled for a poem by some Aes Sedai. Which is absolutely atrocious and stupid, Bill. Come on, how the heck could you? I mean, I, how, how, how could you be so stupid, Bill? Come on. Who's going to argue which side? Uh, I'll go first and say that the two options here are: you're being swindled by Landfear to throw these priceless artifacts in the ocean, and she's not giving you enough money, or you're being swindled by Moraine to, you know, get this information and then get nothing for the poem. To me, one is in episode eight, the climax that is exciting, and one is in episode one of season two and kind of boring. So therefore, I'm going with episode eight. One, you at least get to deal with land fear. Yes, you think she's the woman from the down, but getting to deal with land fear is the best. So therefore, having to deal with Moraine for the poem is worse. There it is. The poem is worse. So says I. Okay, so I will argue against you, okay, which sure. means yes. that I'm arguing for culture because it's a poem. So it can never be worse. It's written world. It, it has rhymes. It's mm-hmm. about a legendary I said I from the le- age of legends. Yes. So it's already better than the other option. So the other option is the yeah. worst because we are talking about culture, we are talking about art, and art is always, always prized. So the poem is better. That means to say that the priceless artifacts, which actually is also art, but anyway, they are worse. They are far worse. We we like the poem better, and that's my argument. It's just a comparison. We like the poem better, so that means that the it's it's worse to just being paid less for the the artifacts to being dumped in the sea. <laughs> All right, Coach Trollick, any thoughts on these? Well, they're both very compelling arguments, and I'm not one to judge art. I don't like competing art against sculpture uh, of any kind. Just folks, just give to your your local museums, give to NPR, give to everybody. Just support the arts is what I say. Uh, But But. I have to pick a winner. And and I have to say that because, and Priscilla, I apologize, but because the writers did such a poor job of including Trollocs this season, in the wheel of time i have to be a little anti-writer right now they already got their strike resolved they're way ahead of the actors i don't even know what to talk about with as far as that goes i think they cheated their way back to you know, getting into good graces with the amtp not really i'm just kidding on that uh, anyway i'm a solid victory for the writers there which is why they cannot have a solid victory here that for therefore baba you win 
Yay. That, that made no sense, but it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's worse? What's worse? Feedback. We have right. feedback here. Uh, these were, I did an initial reaction on the finale. Go back one episode uh, on the audio podcast or back to the last we live time episode on the youtube channel and we loved getting feedback from you this season i'll i'll continue to take feedback i may have one or two more wheel of time podcasts coming out because we're running so late here i don't think priscilla and i are going to be able to do a book podcast uh today at the end of this so what i'm going to do is uh just encourage you to send emails to matt's audioblog at gmail.com you can tweet to at the word double the letters phq or use that spelling for all of the social medias you can also find me on x twitter at bus blockbuster and if you have comments for priscilla's videos be sure to check those out as well youtube.com priscilla tv one is that address and you can leave comments on her videos bunch of roses 83 said this uh, in response to my initial reaction finale, uh, to the finale, I read the series and loved this episode. Had tears when the Heroes of the Horn showed up. Lauren Balfe's score blew my mind. Hopefully, my talking about it in just a couple segments ago will help you with that as well, because that's one of the things that I talked about. Goldilocks Zone, one, two, three, uh, says, due to the fact, this, this might be up your alley, What's Due it? to the fact that they split the characters into so many small groups, they didn't have time to develop the plot to explain what was happening. They hmm. just had to dump a bunch of facts into the ending. I give it 5.5 out Whoa. of 10. Whoa. Respectfully, I don't think splitting characters up means you don't have enough time to give everybody what you need to. Again, the... I'll just use Egwene and, uh, excuse me, Elaine and Nynaeve, you know, they get hit with an arrow and then they kind of lay there. And admittedly, we have like three scenes of them laying in the street injured. And those three scenes all together may add up at the most to four minutes, right? But I still think in four minutes, you can have them accomplish a goal, something rather than just, oh, wait, we're frozen. What can we do? So I, I'm sad that this person didn't enjoy it as much as I did. I think that's a perfectly reasonable uh, response, but I also don't think that, okay, hey, just because we, just because we took this, you know, we split them up, we couldn't get much accomplished. I, I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would tell you, uh, Goldilocks on one, two, three, get ready for a hell of a ride <laughs> <laughs> with characters being apart from each other. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, without being too spoilery i hope you come back hope you enjoyed it though uh episode seven quarks bar 3265 love quarks bars my favorite place on deep space nine that's where i would hang out uh love this says always look forward to your takes week to week that eye to the world to the eye of the world we will go christmas ditty from season one still sings in my ears two years later Bubba, did you ever even listen to that did you ever listen to that podcast i know you don't like to listen to too many things that you record on yeah i i did not i'm sorry yeah so you're missing out priscilla you probably heard it to the eye of the world did we I? Go, my little christmas ditty ah yeah yeah to the eye.
anyway, but thank Christmas you so is just around the corner, so we can re-release again. No, we can make a re. No, no, I was a one-time show. No, uh, it's it's too close to another Christmas it, song. So I'm worried it's, about it's, royalty. It's, it's it's yeah, it's not like the Mariah Carey thing every year coming back. Okay. Yeah, I can't have a comeback uh, with that one, unfortunately. Okay. But thank you very much for the nice comment, Corks Bar. Uh, yes. <laughs> Bubba, why don't you help us here with what Silver Scale had to say about our NBR Pod Season 2, Episode 7. Excellent. Silver Scale wrote, I was perplexed by Swan too, but I kind of get what she's thinking. There is so much unknown and the risk is so high. The plan with Moraine did fail before, so I understand her falling back on the rules because she does have a big responsibility. However, the rules are ridiculous, and she needed to really talk with Moraine and not get so dug in against her. It was pretty heartbreaking, and I don't know where I heard this, but what Swan wants to do with Rand, what she thinks the rules say, is to use him as a battery, kind of like the Sean Chan use women that can channel. It's wrong. So I'm glad that wasn't her go-to before she felt backed into a corner. It's still wrong, but I'm glad it wasn't her first choice. The rest was good. I love Lan. Oh my God. Okay, Silver Scale, you and I, I'm glad you love Lan. I couldn't get it. Silver Scale said, wrote, I love Lan and I'm glad Moraine finally let him help her. He figured it out right away. Rand was less annoying this episode. Matt, did you write this? You and Silver Scale are, are one and the same here. Yeah. Rand was less annoying this episode. I'm ready to be done with the Egwene Demane story. It's hard to watch. Now that is Silver Scale. You and I agree on that, especially in a season where they depowered Moraine almost the whole time. I'm over it. Let's free her and let's go. Well, I love that feedback, even if I don't, if I didn't see it that way, but I love that you saw it that way. And it seems like you really enjoyed the land storyline. So great work, Silver Scale. Uh, and simply Sierra. 9035 uh just made this comment <clears throat> i think we were talking about uh the ieo war and uh, what was called the ieo war you were asking about when the dragon reborn uh you know what what caused that war to start and what caused it to i end. did yeah so uh they actually put this in the per correct perspective from a book reader standpoint but i don't think it's a spoiler to to say that the war wasn't a war at all. Uh, they went to kill one guy, right. and after that, they left. And Bubba, I have you put it together who that one guy was? I'm pretty sure he was the father, or the, he was related to Moraine. He was yeah, from her family. I forget if it was her father yeah. or the uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle. Okay, uncle. Sorry. I feel, yeah, uncle. All right. Thank you for putting uncle. that in perspective. Uh, simply Sierra. And uh, on X Twitter, we yes. got a tweet from one of our double L's, Bubba. Loyal listener Camille, what'd she say? She said she couldn't get past episode one of the new season. Oh, that's too bad. I, I understand it, even though I thought episode that's rough. one. I do understand that that episode one of, of season two, you know, it did suddenly throw throw you to a not a lot of new places. But I wasn't kidding. I I, I point out things that I didn't like. But I want to go back, you know, many hours ago to when I said season two was such an improvement on season one. And it, it was worthwhile. And if somehow you can get past the kind of 
okay, this is where everybody is now set up part of it. I think season two, anybody would enjoy. That's at Harley Camille on X Twitter. Uh, yep. Has always contributed great feedback uh, for yes. a multitude of shows covered by Double P Media. And we got some feedback in terms of polls as well. Uh, we did ask how for people to rate the season two finale and the final votes are all in 69.2 of you percent of you loved it so much wow. and another 26.9 percent of you wow thought it was pretty darn good so that only leaves less than four percent of the group of people who thought it was just okay nobody thought it was not very good so love that that's very positive yeah very positive keep keep positive yeah positivity <laughs> is very important people absolutely and another poll uh because i couldn't figure out uh how to i bailed on making a judgment on our last what's worse with uh priscilla and bubba uh yep. in the the seventh episode i decided to put it on the poll and let the people decide bubba you overwhelm you won overwhelmingly uh by saying Whoa. that the worst was land showing up for your story at all uh 87 0.5% uh, thought that that was the case, as opposed to not having Guild in red. Yes, love it. Voters got both polls correct. Great job. And that's going to do it for this time around uh, with Bustin' Bust, Bustin Blockbusters podcast. Poor Priscilla, she took a couple of knocks this week in the What's Worse stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, Priscilla, but you know what's it's not fine. worse? It's As fine. With terrible segues, what's not worse is watching your videos where you cover the Wheel of Time and other shows as well. So tell people how they can find you and uh, communicate with you. And are you going to be appearing on anybody else's podcast pretty soon? You can find me on YouTube and only on YouTube. Now, maybe you can find me also on Tumblr, which is a social network that only people of uh, a high intellect used i don't know <laughs> tumblr okay, is, sure. a, is a weird thing it got and a certain age uh, it got yeah it got it got in trouble because of porn and it's still there porn whoa. is still there whoa yeah anyway so you can watch my videos they are there and you can interact with me in portuguese if you can and in english if you need but i would just suggest you just to check out the the channel like once so in a while in a while and so we are ending we of time now i don't have plans uh to cover another series so far i like the boys but i i haven't watched the the new the the, the spin-off of the boys and i heard Gen good v. things actually so yeah, I heard good things, so I don't know. But as I said, and I keep saying, the series I really like, people don't watch, so it's a kind of difficult thing. Now, what series is that? I like The Serpent Queen. It was a series like two uh, a year ago. It was very good. I don't think you will ever get a second season. Um, and Pachinko too. Uh, Foundation, like the second season, 
was very good. So I hope that we are going to get a third season, but no word yet. I don't know, dude. It's getting weird. Yeah, with the with the strikes, now it's a little bit difficult also to to know whether the series are coming back or not. Baba, uh, Baba, people can find you at Fit and Trim on Twitter, correct? They can. And if you want to talk Wheel of Time in a non-book reader fashion, talk to me. I am very excited about this show and can't wait the two-year wait for season three. Three. It's third season. Three years this time. Oh. Okay. Uh, so uh, you can find us, of course, at Bus Blockbuster. We want you to check out the YouTube. Please hit the like, subscribe button. Bubba's going to be covering lots of other stuff. We're covering The Crown pretty soon on podcast Lilibet as well. If you want to subscribe to that audio feed, or you will find those videos on the Double P Media YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash the word double, the letter P, the word media. Or you can find just reach out to at the word double, the letters PHQ, wherever you tend to stomp around on social media because Bubba's everywhere. He's like the all-knowing, all-seeing, um, all-sending Bubba. See ya. to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. <laughs>